Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to another Vince August podcast, starting off 2015 with episode number 20, coming to you from a frigid Bergen County, New Jersey, and my first topic will probably um, kind of transition well, because I am done with this cold weather. Um, I, I have been a, lo- a lifelong New Jersey resident, um, and, and I'm done. I have to tell you, I am done with the cold. I don't like the cold. Uh, I don't have a need for snow anymore. People are like, oh, but Christmas time in New York City is so great. There's the tree. Yeah, you know what? I, I've been doing it for 45 years, and I got to tell you, I'm good. I really am good. I am ready for a palm tree Christmas. I am... Just let, let's bring on Easter now. Um, I know the baby Jesus was just born, and I, I, I'm, I'm begging for that Easter um, holiday, and let's, let's move on. Uh, I can't stand this freezing cold weather, um, which leads me to my first topic. Governor Christie is catching so much heat for being in the owner's box at the Dallas Cowboys playoff game this past Sunday, January 4th, against the Detroit Lions. So many people from New Jersey are upset with their governor for being a Dallas Cowboys fan, and people are just outraged. How can he you know, not root for the Giants? When I've been seeing this outrage and I saw the story break, I said to myself, Wow, have we just completely lost our minds on stupidity in this country? Because if there is anything dumber than suggesting someone from a certain state has to root for the teams from that state because he's the governor of that state, that that to me is completely asinine. Uh, I've never heard anything so dumb and if that's if there's real outrage behind this and people are really upset about it, I mean, you, you got to grow up. You really do. It, it's such an immature, nonsensical, stupid nitpicking. It's, I mean, all right, first of all, let me get into this. Let's speak from my personal perspective. I am a New Jersey lifelong resident, as I just said. I am done with the cold weather. I don't like the cold weather. I have a five-year plan to get out of this state and move someplace warm. Um, So right off the bat, sorry, New Jersey. In terms of your geographical positioning in the Northeast, you are my favorite state because we have a great combination of beaches, mountains, city, suburbs. As far as the state of New Jersey goes... I love it for all of those things. I love having a backyard. I love not living in that New York City high-rise condo, hotel, apartment type of living. I love New Jersey for that. Um, I love the fact that the the beach, or as we say it, the shore, is just an hour away. Um, I love that the mountains in the opposite direction are just about an hour away. I love it for all of it. I really think New Jersey is perfectly situated in the Northeast, but I am no longer a fan of winter. 
let's talk about my growing up in New Jersey and my allegiance to the state of New Jersey. Um, I grew up a product of the 70s. And when I was growing up, I don't believe there was any television rights with regards to certain teams having to be on TV. I don't think the locals had to be on TV every week uh, like the way the, the contract is now in the NFL. Therefore, I grew up a fan of teams from all over the place. I am a Pittsburgh Steeler football fan, a Pittsburgh Pirate baseball fan. Uh, there was no hockey team in New Jersey. My first recollection of seeing a hockey game was the New York Rangers against the Montreal Canadiens. I had no idea who these teams were. All I remember was the team in red was amazing. I instantly became a Montreal Canadian fan. Uh, and I grew up a Boston Celtic fan. In fact, my childhood dog's name was Celtic. So I'm kind of all over the map when it comes to sports teams. Um, to suggest as a New Jersey resident, I should somehow have to root for the New Jersey Devils as opposed to the Montreal Canadiens when there was no New Jersey Devil team when I was growing up is ludicrous. And I'll, and I'll take it one step further. When the Devils started out, they were at the Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They wore these uh, red, white, and green uniforms. Nobody went to the games. In fact, I went to one of the, the Devil games that had an attendance of like 300 people. There was this unbelievable blizzard that hit New Jersey, and I think it was a Thursday night game. I remember it was a week night game, and they were playing the Buffalo Sabres, and me and my cousin went to the game because back then tickets were cheap, and it also was a situation where, you know, in the 80s, if you bought nosebleed tickets and the seats were empty, you would move down. No one would say anything because the Devils – we're dying to make the place look filled. So, you know, you could move down as a fan. I probably went to more devil games than most quote-unquote devil fans because the tickets were cheap. We got to see hockey, and I grew up a huge hockey fan. Um, but I was no means a, a New Jersey Devils fan. Uh, my my heart was in Montreal. I was always with the Montreal Canadiens. I have seats from the Montreal Forum from the first game I went to in my office. Um, with my name engraved on the seats. Uh, I have pucks autographed from some unbelievable greats. I have a hockey jersey uh, with you know autographed by Stanley Cup winners. I have a, a Canadian's Stanley Cup banner autographed by Patrick Roy. I have a Jean Beliveau jersey that's autographed. Uh, he just passed away this year. So huge Montreal fan, never rooted for the Devils. Then as the Devils started to get these bandwagon fans, I have to be honest with you, I started liking them less and less. I, I am actually, I became a Devils hater at one point because of their fans. Um, God knows I, I went to Devil games wearing my Montreal Canadian jersey and people would tell me, move back to Montreal. Are you, are you kidding me? I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. I mean, the the idiocy that I ran into going to hockey games just annoyed me more and more towards the devils and their fans. Um, so, you know, I never understood that. Do I hate the giants and jets? No, I, I don't. I don't hate any 
you know, group of players that way because I'm smart enough to realize that these guys are, are very transient. They move from team to team. So I, I don't sit here and say, oh, I can't stand this coach. There are some players I don't like because I don't like their the way they play. I don't like their attitude. I don't like, you know, their bravado and things like that. But, you know, I don't sit here hating on teams. Um, I I have a rooting interest in football for the Steelers. Same thing, you know, with baseball. Listen, I live real close to Yankee Stadium. And when I went to Fordham University, we used to, again, take the, the four to D train from the Grand Concourse down to Yankee Stadium. We'd sit in the bleachers when no one else did. We bought bleacher seats in, in the 80s, late 80s, when, you know, it, the bleachers were for basically, you know, the lower level fan. Then all of a sudden in the 90s, it became the place to sit. It became, you know, the hip and trendy thing was to sit in the bleachers. Um, but I used to go to Yankee games all the time because I enjoy going to, to pro sporting events. I wasn't a Yankee fan. I never rooted for the Yankees. I just enjoyed watching the games. But I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. Uh, when Derek Jeter retired this past year, I have to tell you, I didn't feel a damn thing. I don't care that he's gone. I don't care that he was a player for the Yankees because I'm not a Yankee fan. And as far as, well, you're a baseball fan, don't you like to see someone like that stay in the game? I, I, no, <laughs> I have to tell you, I don't. Goodbye. Let's get another shortstop in. Listen, I think what Cal Ripken did when breaking the record was incredible because he broke Lou Gehrig's record. But as far as Derek Jeter, he was a great player. He's Hall of Fame bound. Other than that, I don't care. I'm not a Yankee fan. Um, Same goes across the board for the other teams. And I'll take it one step further. As a son of Italian immigrants, when the World Cup soccer comes around, my rooting interest first lies with Italy. Um, Italy and soccer go hand in hand. Um, this past year in 2014, we, we saw a, a whole different euphoria in the United States over soccer that previously really didn't exist. You know, all of a sudden, soccer fever caught on in this country. But for the most part, it wasn't a huge thing rooting for U.S. So- men's soccer team. Uh, the women's soccer team was was a big deal in the 90s and, and the early 2000s and because they were winning championships, but there was really no rooting interest in U.S. men's soccer. And I have to tell you, before I watch um, a United States soccer game, you know, having to do with the, the soccer league here, I don't even know what the hell it's called. Uh, it used to be the National Association of Soccer, or, or whatever it was, National American Association. It used to be, um, what was it, NASL? <laughs> NASL? Um, I, I, again, I don't know what it is. I know what Serie A is because I watch Serie A. Uh, I know what La Liga is. I know what the Bundeslag is. I watch European soccer. I watch the Euro Cup. I get into the you know the Champions League in Europe. I just think it's a better quality game. And when the World Cup comes around, if USA is playing Italy, I have to be honest, my soccer allegiance lies with Italy. I don't think that's the equivalent of me wiping you know, myself after going to the bathroom with the American flag in, in any way, shape, or form. It's my soccer allegiance. Much like many of the, the people that live in this country, I have a... Guy who owns the gym was a friend of mine. Is Brazilian. When the when the you know World Cup comes around, he roots for Brazil. 
Um, you know, and, and I know many of the Italian sons of Italian immigrants and, and daughters of Italian immigrants, they get super excited over the World Cup. And, and we're into soccer all year. Um, I follow my dad and mom's city in Serie A, which is Palermo. They're in eighth place as of right now. They won last night 5 nothing. That's how much I keep up with it. So this notion that you have to have an allegiance to your home state or to the state where your governor, you know, like you're automatically locked into that, I find it to be absolutely ridiculous because what if you move? I mean, like right now, I live in New Jersey. I, I would love to move to West Coast, Florida. Um, I, I have friends that move down to the Tampa Clearwater area. I love it. I would love to move down to that area. So if I was a New Jersey person that rooted for the Devils, say Giants, Yankees, I go down to Tampa, I now have to become a Tampa Bay Bucks, Lightning and Devil Rays fan? No, that's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement. The, this outrage over Chris Christie hugging Jerry Jones in the owner's booth when Dallas took the lead, I think is just, again, we're, we're looking for, always looking for something to jump on somebody and, and try to yell at them and make them look stupid. And, and to me, it, it's really... A, you know, it's really a stretch. And I tweeted a joke about it, um, saying how the, the state of Texas makes Christie look a lot thinner than the state of New Jersey. But th- that's me having fun. I have to tell you, I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. So Chris Christie, Governor Christie, root for whoever you want. I, I don't have a problem with it. Staying in the state of New Jersey, um, you know, I, I really come down hard on the real housewife of wherever franchise on Bravo. Um, I don't like the Bravo network. I have always said it. Um, I don't like their TV shows. I think their TV shows are based on promoting um, arguments, negativity, family violence, Uh, I think they portray women and and set the women's movement back decades. Um, I think they exploit people that are too dumb to know they're being exploited. Granted, they're making a ton of money and maybe, you know, ignorance is bliss. And you know what? Put me on TV, pay me a ton of money and make fun of me all you want. Uh, I am not a fan of Bravo or their lineup of shows. I know I think they're starting to get into something scripted. Thank God. I am not a fan of reality television at all. I don't consider reality, quote-unquote, stars to be actors, actresses. I I won't give you that respect. It's never going to happen because I know what it is to invest yourself in the entertainment industry and develop talent as opposed to be the puppet of a producer or somebody like Andy Cohen who tries to then just create arguments and fights and set up situations that are fake um, so people can yell and scream at each other. I'm not a fan. So I, I think I've made that as clear as possible. I find what the 
Judas, Judices, Judices, whatever their names are, Joe and Teresa, I find their actions with regards to the law to be reprehensible. I think they got an unbelievable deal from the judge, the federal court judge, who gave them what I thought was a very light sentence. I thought they got an unbelievable benefit of the doubt. The judge gave Teresa uh, a sentence less than what she should have received. And again, I all for their punishment. Joe Judice or Joe Judice got a concurrent sentence with this other fraud thing um, that he's facing in New Jersey on top of the tax evasion and, and all of the fraud with the bank. He had uh, applied for a, a, a license, um, given false information, and that sentence is running concurrent with his current sentence. I have no good feelings towards those two people at all. At all. I don't like them. I don't like what they're about. Don't like Bravo. Don't like the shows. So I'm being pretty strong about how I feel about this. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm setting this up. I have to give an unbelievable big hand props, whatever you want to call it, huge thumbs up. If this was Facebook, I would give it a like, and I would try to like it more than once to Teresa Judice, who turned down $50,000 from Bravo. They wanted to tape her last couple of days with her family saying her goodbyes on her way to federal prison, and she turned it down. And Teresa, I hope this is a sign of your maturity. I hope this is a sign that you've learned your lesson. I hope this is a sign that you're moving on in your life in the right direction. If it's all of those things, you deserve an unbelievable pat on the back for telling Bravo no. As for Bravo asking to do that, again, this paints you out to be exactly what I say you are. You're a despicable network. You're a despicable network that's exploiting human beings, trying to make them look stupid, trying to get them at their most vulnerable, trying to make them vulnerable. You are nothing more than the puppet master dealing with these puppets. And shame on you. Shame on you. Because, you know, that's a moment where We've seen this person on these interviews, and granted, she's exploited her family for however many seasons she's been on that show. I don't know, six or seven years, whatever it's been. She has exploited her family to the hilt. She has profited from it in every possible way. Cookbooks, um, I think she's got a wine line or vodka. I don't even know because, again, I'm not a fan of that crap. But to now try to exploit that again. And throw her in harm's way when this could have adversely affected her ability for early parole just shows what kind of pariah you are at Bravo. Just shame on you. Shame on you, Andy Cohen, or whoever came up with that idea. You're despicable. You really are. You're a despicable network. You prey upon people, and it's really sad that that's 
what a network television station and its programming directors are so hungry for that we want to show this person at her weakest. We want to show this, but we want to see her kids cry. We want to show this woman cry. We want to show her go off to jail. We want to show, you know what? That's disgusting. It really is. Um, so, you know what? Major props to you, Teresa, for saying no and realizing there's a bigger picture here in life. It's not about 50 grand. It's about going, serving your time, paying your debt to society, doing it the right way. And listen, knowing Bravo, they will be sitting there waiting for you with some type of Teresa gets out of jail special, you know, with your daughters and how it's affected your daughters. They're going to love the pariah will come swimming again. Believe me, when you get released, if not before. If not before, I'm sure they're going to work in a visit somehow on the next episode of the show. Try to get to the jail and see how you're doing in there. And hopefully you're wise enough and you've matured enough to tell them, you know what? Take a hike. Um, So, you know, congratulations to Teresa Judice. I will criticize people left and right. But when they do something that's smart and right, I will absolutely point them out and give them a pat on the back. Huge pat on the back. Huge props to Teresa Judice. Speaking about backs, pats on the back and and talking about um, people's backs. There's been a lot made of the New York Police Department turning their backs on Mayor de Blasio. um, Literally turning their backs on Mayor de Blasio at the funerals for the fallen officers in Brooklyn, New York. At the first funeral time we saw it was when the officers were in the hospital and pronounced dead. Mayor de Blasio walked through the hallway and all of the police officers at that moment turned their back as the mayor walked through. That was a real reaction to a real moment. And the officers did it on the spot. It was spontaneous. It was organic. It was real. Then there was the first funeral for the first officer Ramos and thousands of officers packed the streets of Brooklyn, filled the church for the funeral. There were giant screens outside showing what was going on inside the church, the live feed. And police officers from around the country, including officers from Canada, that were outside, uh, turned their backs when Mayor de Blasio started speaking. So they turned their back on the screen and on the church. And apparently this upset Commissioner Bratton. And Commissioner Bratton said to the police officers, um, listen, a a funeral is meant to be for the families and it's for that moment to show sadness, emotion, feeling towards the departed and the departed's family. It's not a time to make a political statement. It's not a time to make any statement. And then he said, please don't do that again. And then, of course, uh, Officer Lou was laid to rest. And once again, the police officers turned their backs. And 
Again, this is in protest to Mayor de Blasio. Now, my reaction to all of this is not so much to what I saw as to the reaction of the social media reaction. And the social media reaction was basically the, the, the one that upset me the most was people that I know are anti-cop because I saw all of their posts on Facebook. People that I know are anti-cop because I've seen their blogs or whatever on the internet, their tweets. To turn around and, and support protests, to say that you understand riots and why they occur, and then to bash the police officers who turn their back on the screens by saying, this is the way you operate. This is the way you act. This is why we disrespect you. This is why you all need to go. To me, is such hypocritical crap that you should really, really sit down with yourself and think about what you're saying. Because on the one hand, you're for... Stopping traffic so that citizens can make a point that there needs to be a change in the system. You are for burning down buildings. You're for flipping over cars because of outrage and the need to change the system. But when police officers express themselves not through signs, not through rhetoric and let me tell you some of the stuff that they were showing in some of the protests you know shoot the police cops need to die you know burn this mf down these officers did not say a word they turned their back on a mayor that they feel turned their back on them they are not out there advocating violence they are not affecting your life In any way, shape, or form. This is a silent protest. It is the most non-harmful way to express how they feel. That they will never get the opportunity to express again. Because if they did, they would lose their job. So think about it. When else... Are all these officers going to be gathered in one place to express their dissatisfaction with the mayor of New York? Never going to happen again. They're not going to get this opportunity again. And if they do express it verbally in writing some other way, it could subject them to some type of penalty on the workforce. Who knows? They may even get fired for it. Suspended. The only way that they can voice themselves without voicing themselves is to do it this way. So again, here's where the left and the liberal always lose me. This is every time, you know, I start leaning left, you shove me back to the middle, if not all the way to the right, because you always talk about free speech. You always talk about the ability to, we have to riot, we have to protest, we're allowed to do everything we want to do. But the second someone else protests and says something that you disagree with, 
you start chastising that side and saying it's wrong. Look how disrespectful the cops are. This is why they're all pigs. This is why, you know, cops need to be fired. They need to go back for training. They need... Oh, no, no, no. I am sorry. You could not be any more wrong on this one. Your argument cannot be any more faulty on this one. Because you know what? They are there to pay their respects. And in their opinion, the person who is there paying respects, Mayor de Blasio, disrespected them in a way that created a situation that planted in a seed in this lone nut job's mind that caused these two deaths. Now, do I think Mayor de Blasio has blood on his hands? I already covered this in a podcast. No, I don't. This is a lone gunman who followed through on some type of lunacy. However, Mayor de Blasio made some really dumb comments. Very unmayor-like. When you make some dumb, unmayor-like comments to a police department that is protecting you and your city and has done so well, so well that last year, 2014, the fewest amount of violent crimes in recent history in New York, when you then say how you have to explain to your son how he needs to be fearful of the same police department which surrounds you and leads you on motorcades all over New York City, I'm sorry, but you deserve to have them turn their back on you. I don't have a problem with that silent protest. I don't have a problem with it at all. This is going to be their only opportunity to do it, and they took it, and good for you, NYPD, and every officer that turned your back because you know what? that You had to do something to send a message to his office, and you did. And Commissioner Bratton, I'm sorry, I think he's playing a game of politics there by telling you all of you, you know what, this is not the time and place to do it unless that was some hidden message Guys, don't turn your backs on the mayor during a funeral. This isn't really the place to show that type of anger and dissatisfaction. Wink, wink. Unless his message was that. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm not going to come down too hard on Brandon. I really don't know what his intent was. But for the officers, I really don't have a problem with anything you did in that situation. Um, Good for you. Really good for you, and and you you did what you had to do, and I don't have a problem with it. And the people that do have a problem, again, this is the liberal left. You know, your your opinion is fine, just so long as you don't disagree with me. You know, that's where we always wind up in this country, and it's always where we wind up on this podcast. You're allowed to have your own opinion, according to the left, so long as you don't disagree with me. And that's that's a really sad way to be, because that's such a conformist. Everyone's got to believe and think the same thing. And to say protests and riots are okay, but turning your back on the mayor during a a funeral, especially outside the church, is disrespectful. I'm sorry, you have to redefine respect because you're way off on this one. Uh, Other stuff going on in the the news. Uh, In France, uh, they, they killed 12 people in Paris Um, At this French newspaper today, January 7th, it's a satirical paper. It's kind of like the United States version of The Onion. 
And I guess they did um, a satirical take on the Prophet Muhammad and a gunman, you know, retaliated in a terrorist attack against the people that work at this paper and 12 people were killed. Um, apparently the, the, the paper had drawn some type of threats in the past from Muslims for a satirical take on the Prophet Muhammad. And I guess it was ignored or, or whatever happened um, with regards to this. You know, I say it all the time, and, and Bill Maher attacks religion, and, you know, people, when you, when you make fun of certain things, you have to make sure that it's your own. And it's one of those things that goes back to, for example, I can make fun of my family. I could talk bad about my brother, my sister. You can't. That's my family. So it's one of those things I can say, you know, I think my brother or sister are an ass. And here's why. And then later on in a different conversation, you come up to me. Hey, you know, that that brother of yours, the ass, you know, here's here's another reason why he's an ass. At that point, it's no, 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 no. I make fun of my brother. You don't make fun of my brother. I make fun of my family. You don't make fun of my family. It's the same thing with high school. I can make fun of my high school. You can't make fun of my high school. I can make fun of my race. You can't make fun of my race. There's a lot of that that exists in comedy and entertainment. And it's, it goes back to, again, black comedians can say the N-word. White comedians can't. Well, why? Why is that fair? Listen, I'm not saying it's fair. I'll agree it's not fair. Everybody should be allowed to make fun of everybody so long as it's funny. But. When you start attacking something like religion that is very personal to people and groups of people, especially in a climate that we have right now with what's going on in the Middle East. Listen, I say it all the time. You you know, the, the Catholic Church is a safe religion to attack because they take the beating and they don't do anything. If we were in the time of the Crusades, trust me, nobody would be making fun of the Catholic religion. No one would be making fun of Christians during the Crusades. Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't fly. Okay? You know, again, this is not the time to attack people of Muslim beliefs because, let's be honest, they're on edge, man. So, Listen, I believe everything is fair game in comedy. You should be able to make fun of whoever and whatever you want. Just know there are some soft spots out there that you're going to get pushback on that at different times and different eras, maybe you wouldn't. But now's not the time to attack those targets and Am I trying to justify what this gunman did? Not even in the slightest. Please don't interpret what I'm saying that way. I in no way justify any act of violence against any attempt at comedy under any circumstance. There is no exception to that rule. An attempt at comedy is just that. 
There should never be a violent reaction towards an attempt at comedy, period, end of story. There's no exception to the rule. But as a comedian, as a satirical newspaper, whatever you are, as a filmmaker, as we saw with the interview with with Seth Rogen and James Franco, just know if you ruffle the wrong feathers, you're going to get pushback. And you have to accept that as part of what you're doing. It's kind of like taking a chance on stage and making jokes. If you make certain jokes, and you know the big thing with comics, and we, we always say too soon, you know that that's one of the things. Oh, what was that? Too soon? You know what? Well, we we're not desensitized to that yet. And then a lot of comics will say, and close behind closed doors in green rooms, you know the comics. We we all say to each other, "You think it's too soon to tell this joke?" And our answer is, if it's not too soon, then it's too late. That's the the standard answer. If it's not too soon, it's too late. The joke is done. It's gone. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I think you have to look and and think about the situation before you make light of it. There have been times I have crafted tweets and have sat back and said, Ugh. The second I look at a tweet that I crafted that's a joke and I go, two things. One, I don't send the tweet. The second thing is I take a long look in the mirror and say, are you ready to accept the fact that maybe you're getting a little too sensitive? Are you ready to look yourself in the mirror of it and say, you know what? Am I starting to censor myself? And so long as I can live with the answer and say, you know what? Nah, I'm, I'm comfortable. This was just inappropriate. And there are sometimes jokes are inappropriate. Sometimes inappropriate jokes get a big laugh. You know, there's a whole, there's a whole division of cringe humor out there that loves this stuff. But there's another group of people that don't. And if you upset the group of people that don't, you have to know who the don't people are you have to know what the retaliation for that don't will be and if it's violence or what we're seeing now you have to be ready for that so i think it's inexcusable to attack anyone um violently for an attempt at humor there is no justification for it whatsoever. But at the same time, if you're one of those people making those jokes, you, you better be prepared for some backlash. So, you know, it's it's kind of a tough thing. And I say it all the time that the, the most important show we have on television are shows like South Park and The Family Guy and, and movies like Ted, which take shots at everybody. And I think the interview should have been released. I don't think it should be released in, you know, on on DVR or, or, you know, pay-per-view or anything like that. I think we should have snubbed our nose at North Korea, but that's Sony's call, not mine. Um, but, you know, again, you, you got to be really careful. There are certain times where you have to look at certain situations and say, well, you know what? Maybe this wasn't too good of an idea to do this joke right now at this time. Um, so, hey, here we go. First podcast 
2015 is in the books. Um, covered some good topics, had a little international flair. Um, again, I will always call myself out on things, and I will always say when I'm wrong. Um, again, Teresa Judice, I've criticized you in the past. Congratulations, you made a great decision. Governor Christie, nothing wrong. Root for you, Cowboys. Personally, I hope the Cowboys get knocked down the next round. I'm a Steeler fan. I don't like the Cowboys. Um, if you have any topics you want me to discuss, email me, Facebook me, get in touch with me somehow, some way. If you have questions, comments, please don't be afraid to leave the comments on Podomatic. Um, by all means, write reviews on iTunes. Make them creative. Don't put up stupid nonsense. Spread the word. Thank you for joining me, everybody. Vince August, episode 20 in the books.